It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for this post-game podcast brought to you by the Locker Room app. Download the app and join me later this week uh, to get in on the action. That's Locker Room changing the way we talk about sports. The Bucks are behind in a series for the first time this postseason. They lose game one to the Nets, 115-107. to 107. In what was really a, a pretty frustrating game, it started in... Incredible circumstances with James Harden leaving the game with a right hamstring strain in the first minutes of the game. And you feel that this is a real opportunity for the Bucs to steal one on the road. It wasn't the case. Poor shooting. The Blake Griffin game. I don't know where you want to start, Frank. You can, you can tip us off here. But certainly a frustrating night for the Bucs. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of... My you know, final prediction, I, I still thought the Nets was, were going to win this series. I, you know, I would have said Nets in seven. And um, I think winning this first game, it would have been interesting just because obviously this is uh, the Bucks on the road for the first time, uh, you know, in, in the bud era, basically, right. Uh, in a playoff series. And so, it, you know, the pressure is not on you to have to win game one. You know, you really want to get one of the first two, but the Nets obviously were not really tested in their Celtic series in the same way that, um, you know, probably, I mean, I, I guess did the heat really test the bucks either? I guess you could argue that as, as well, <laughs> but I think the heat were a better, stronger opponent, um, than, than the, the Celtics were. And so I think there was that opportunity is like, okay, like can the bucks come out and, you know, sort of punch them in the mouth in, in game one. And certainly we saw that early with just the bucks kind of attacking using their size. And, you know, I mean, the bucks were had a 72 to 48 advantage in the paint in this game. And, um, and so obviously if you knew that in advance, you'd say, well, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what the Bucks you know, needed to do is, is use their size, Giannis, Brooke, et cetera, and, and attack the, the, the rim. And they certainly did that, but, um, you know, ultimately just the shooting eerily similar to the first game in that heat series where that game, they go five for 31, which I think was what their, their worst shooting performance in basically two years, um, from three and this game six for 30 <laughs> and, um, you know, you're maybe you can beat the heat going five for 31 from three, but you're not going to beat this Nets offense going six for 30. And that's regardless of whether one of their big three are out or not. Cause we know we saw all season that they could score tons of points with just two out of their big three. And um, obviously it just feels like a big opportunity lost to, for Harden to, to, to come out early when obviously the Nets were planning on those three guys being available. And um, 
you know, clearly uh, Bucks had some success early in the first quarter, but as the game wore on, they just obviously never got any rhythm going from three. Really jump shooting, period. Uh, and, um, I, you know, the bench gave, gave you pretty much nothing. Chris Middleton was really poor shooting the ball in particular. Um, so just a big, you know, I'd say a big opportunity to loss because, you know, look at the final numbers, 109 offensive rating for the Nets. If you, I, I'd take that every game. You know, I take that every game. If you tell me that you're going to hold the Nets to a 109 offensive rating, but the Bucks just too poor offensively, 101.7 offensive rating, they're, they're, you're just never going to win a game against a team of this caliber with the weapons they have. And, um, you know, I think we, we can kind of break down rotations and all that. I think there were certainly some questions there in terms of, you know, how much Giannis, Chris, Drew were leaned on or not leaned on uh, in terms of, of that. But, um, you know, it just feels like a, an opportunity lost. And obviously the huge question right now is, you know, what, what's going on with James Harden and is he, is he done for the series? Is he going to miss more games? What, what's going on with him? Cause he obviously missed an extended period with that hamstring. He re-aggravated it while he was out, which extended his, 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 his time on the bench. And now for him to pull the muscle, another, you know, I think the same hamstring in the, in literally the first drive of the first game of the second round is, is obviously a potential huge blow. So that's, I think certainly the most interesting thing going into game two, but um, you know, the bucks bucks have a lot to work on here uh, regardless in terms of, uh, you know, just getting their offense tightened up and you just hope they come out in game two, like they came out in game two against the heat. So just on James Harden, and again, you know, Steve Nash sort of mentioned in the post game here just a few minutes ago that, you know, he's heartbroken for James Harden, all the usual stuff. He certainly said that they'll wait and see what happens for game two. But to me, the minute I saw that, I basically assumed that he was done for the series, just given the history that we know and the fact that it's not like he felt a little bit of tightness. I mean, it clearly went on him and he just walked off the floor and straight down the locker room. We never saw yeah, him again. You know so. So he knows what he's done, and, and that's, a, that's weeks, if that's the case. So I, I would be shocked, even though there's been no news, I'd be shocked if he plays again in this series. And the one thing I do want to say, even if James Harden wasn't a part of this Nets team before this series started, we still would have said this is probably going to be a long series. You remember the game yeah. back in Milwaukee a month ago. So I did see some stuff on Twitter that, oh, my God, the Bucks have... And true... Wasted opportunity, I get it. But let's not pretend that this team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving still aren't very, very good. They basically played with two out of the three all season long and had a better record than the Bucs. So uh, let's not lose sight of that. It felt to me that Durant and Irving hardly missed a shot all night, Frank. And then I'm looking at the box score here. Durant 12 yeah. for 25, you'll take it. <laughs> Irving 11 for 26, you'll absolutely take that. So defensively, I think we saw what, we, what we, we kind of expected at the start. P.J. Tucker on Kevin Durant when he came into the lineup. Giannis on Kyrie a little bit. That's going to change, obviously, if James Harden is out there. We can talk about the Bucks rotations, as you sort of pointed to, next because Bud did have a quote that I know is going to enrage the listeners. There's no doubt about that. But what did you see actually defensively from the Bucks? I mean, you already mentioned 115 points and that efficiency from those two guys. You'd like to think that you could win that game. Did the Bucks need better shooting in game one against the Brooklyn Nets? Indeed, which is good timing because I want to talk about Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews 
in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests, then add the must-have requirements so only you pay for the applications that meet them. Or so you only pay for the applications that meet them, I should say. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. And then... Uh, there's only one way to wash down this loss tonight, and that's with a built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar that has ever been made. There are nine delicious flavors, and they'll help you get through this loss, and they'll help you get prepared for game two, whether it's a coconut, whether it's a cherry, a raspberry, a mint brownie, whatever your favorite flavor is, uh, they will get you through. They're healthy for you, 17 grams of protein, 130 grams of calories, or only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. You guys know the deal. Go to builtbar.com. Use, use the code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Kyrie, I think a lot of those Kyrie misses were in the fourth when they were already up double digits. So, um, you know, I think Kyrie was more efficient when it mattered. Like 25 on 26 shots is like, you know, you take that every game, right? Yeah. And, and 29 points on 25 shots, as you said, you take that every game from Durant. Durant also, I mean, I remember looking at his numbers, I think at halftime he was five out of 12 and had 12 points. And it, again, it just, it didn't feel like that. It felt like, you know, he was like, five for eight, you know, with like 14, 15 points. And, um, you know, I think the Bucks did a good job. I mean, Tucker obviously, you know, knows Kevin Durant on and off the court extremely well. Um, you know, he obviously was very physical with them. And um, I thought, you know, they, they did a good job at least making life difficult. Only one out of four on threes for, for KD, four free throws. You know, you really can't complain a, a lot about um, – about, I think, you know, ultimately kind of where he landed on those guys. I mean, Kyrie ended up, you know, hitting some really impressive shots in the first half. I mean, he's Kyrie. That's what he does. Um, so, you know, and to me, that's another reason why this is sort of that opportunity lost, right? Because yeah. you didn't really get the nuclear outburst that, that either of those guys are capable of and that, honestly, we saw in those last two games, right? Kyrie had a really bad first game, but then he was, what did he have, 30-some in, in the second game? And obviously, KD was really good in both games. So, um, so yeah, I, I, they're going to be better, I think, <laughs> in the games moving forward. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to go back and look at it. You know, it's kind of hard because obviously Harden uh, only plays 43 seconds. So, you know, we didn't see a lot of kind of the, what the Bucks were going to do um, kind of you know, in terms of the matchups when the, the Heat were at full strength. It was interesting to see Giannis on Kyrie at times. But um, I think the more I tried to sort of – scramble my brain thinking about who was going to guard who um the more i just sort of kind of felt like all right you know what like lots of people are going to have to guard lots of people (laughs) um and you're going to just need to have versatility to be able to match up and 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 slow those guys down so um so i I, you know again i think obviously there are things that they could have done better defensively i mean we saw we saw i think especially you know joe harris got got to got creases on drives and you know dump off passes to the guys um, you know, we saw Mike James cause problems for them. 
Um, I think, you know, that, that, that's probably the stuff you, you kind of are most frustrated by. I mean, you know, Blake Griffin, 18 points hit almost as many threes as the entire Bucks Bucks team. Obviously, you know, that that's frustrating, but, um, you know, the flip side, especially if the, especially if they have all three of their stars, I mean, look, if, if the game's going to be decided on Blake Griffin, you know, shooting jump shots in a series like this, like, is that the worst outcome? Like, I, I'm not, you know, I don't think you're going to find me saying like, oh, they have to they have to take Brooke off the floor because he's not guarding Blake Griffin closely enough from from three, right? Like I, I don't I don't think that's going to be the the net takeaway of this series. Um, but you know, again, I think you just have to give the Nets role players credit. They were just way more impactful than the the Bucks role players. Um, I think at one point, you know, before the garbage time kind of unit came in and and made some got some buckets sort of after it was was decided. I think the Bucks had like six points from their bench mm-hmm. basically for through through the middle of the fourth quarter. You know, Bryn Forbes came out chucking, even though he was not making anything. And uh, so we saw kind of the great meaner version of Bryn Forbes. And I thought they did a really nice job also just staying connected with him. I don't think the Nets, you know, were giving him easy looks. I don't know that Chris Middleton had wide open threes that he was missing. I thought the Nets were really engaged defensively. And, um, you know, they were definitely very susceptible to what the Bucks could do inside between Giannis and Brooke. Um, you know, Drew got in there pretty easily as well. Drew missed some bunnies definitely uh, as part of that. But, um, you know, certainly I think, you know, again, games are going to, each game has its own character. It's their own flavor. You know, if teams are making, missing from three, et cetera. But um, I thought, you know, if there was a blueprint that I saw in this game, it said, look, you know, the Nets are, the Nets are not a big team, right? Like they're not going to play big. We didn't see DeAndre Jordan at all. So you were really going to need to take advantage of your size and, you know, Kevin Durant almost got his fifth foul late in the at the end of the third quarter, right? We saw him get his fourth, and then probably should have gotten a blocking fall on Brooke Lopez, the leaner at the basically at the buzzer there. Um, so we, you know, we kind of saw that that the Bucks can cause problems by using their size and you know in, in the paint. And so I think to me that that's one of the main takeaways is here. You know, again, I don't think Brooke Lopez is going to dominate defensively because the Nets are are too good of a jump shooting team. Mm-hmm. But offensively, between him and Giannis, um, you know, I think there's there's definitely there's meat on that bone. <laughs> that, you know, they especially Brooke. We saw at times against Miami, and we saw it tonight. You know, 19 points on 11 shots. Um, he he definitely kind of I think was was a guy that that could hurt the Nets, and I, I think that's something to watch sort of moving forward. So ironically, right, we're always used to Bucks fans sort of wanting to talk themselves into like Brooke Lopez being marginalized or he's not going to be a factor in the playoffs and. You know, every playoff series, he ends up being typically a, a pretty good player, one of the Bucks, you know, m- more consistent guys. And again, held true tonight, even with, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Nets' ability to, to kind of go smaller. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that's maybe kind of one of my takeaways. It, 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 kind of a quiet 34 for Giannis in some ways, right? 16 out of 24, did hit two out of five threes, which is nice to see given the three-point shooting we saw from him in the Miami series. But um, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't feel like he necessarily inflicted his will um, on them. And it, it felt like, you know, especially looking at the box score and how poorly they shot the ball from three, you know, you almost want to say like, man, it, it, it's too bad. They didn't try to take it, take advantage of that even more. But, you know, I think that's just sort of one of those things that I think during, throughout the series, obviously uh, we'll probably see more and more of that. I, I would imagine moving forward. The officials certainly let them play in this game. And I think, evidence of that 
And look, the Brooklyn were hitting a lot of jump shots. There's no doubt. But again, if you're looking for upside from a Brooklyn perspective, I mean, they only took nine free throws, which I, I don't think that you would believe. And of course, James Harden wasn't playing, who you know sort of bumps up that number significantly. But on the Bucks side, I, I think it was the same. I tweeted yesterday when I was actually watching Boban play for Dallas that the one thing that you know with NBA officials is the bigger you are, the less respect you're going to get. And it was kind of staggering to me that, you know, Giannis finishes 16 for 24 from the field. Brook Lopez is eight for 11. So combined 24 for 35, and they only attempted uh, six free throws between them. It doesn't really stack up to me, but this is where it's going to be interesting because as you sort of pointed to, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, well, the Bucs just need to post up every play. They need to take advantage of the size. And I think you're right. I think there is some meat on the bone there. But let's not act like they were just firing away from three in this game. I mean, they scored 72 points in the paint. They only attempted 33s. I know they barely hit any, but that's a low number for them as well. So I think that they at least did a reasonable job of trying to attack this. I think the big question is with Brook Lopez is he only played 27 minutes. And as you pointed to, look, they're going to target him on the other end and they're going to try and get him to be dropping back and and walk into those mid-range jump shots. If Blake Griffin's hitting those threes, then you sort of have a bit of back and forth. Offense, defense, you know you can take advantage, but Brooklyn's going to try and do the same down the other end. So only 27 minutes for Brook Lopez stands out for me. But that's the perfect segue into the minutes conversation. And Twitter was just going absolutely bananas during this game it's it's you know things change very quickly and to be fair it was like this in game one against Miami on Twitter as well and the Bucks were able to somehow scrap out a win there but look Budenholzer is just getting torched on Twitter right now as we speak and he was asked about the minutes in the post game and Giannis played 36 in this one Drew Holiday was at 36 and Chris as well and you know I think it's playoff basketball. Yes, that's one thing. Also, Brooklyn just simply didn't feel like they could afford to take Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving off at all, but they, they played 40 and 44. So Bud, as he always is, was asked about the minutes and he gave a very Bud answer, which is going to be really bad news for him on the online community, but I, I don't think that he really gives a shit about it. But he said, they all want to play 48 minutes, but we're just going to keep them competing, keep them where they can execute. Giannis never wants to come out. Chris, Drew, but we've got a deep team. We're going to take advantage of it. Keep them ready. Keep them fresh. That was the uh, quote from Brunenhauser in the the post game. And listen, it's terrible reading. I've said this multiple times before, and and I'm the one asking the questions some of the time, and and I I don't take it that seriously. Look, I, I don't know what to expect moving forward. I would love to see those guys push up into the 40s there. Certainly, we don't need to see Jeff Teague again in this series. I think that experiment should be thrown in the trash can. But what did you see overall from the rotations? I, I Look, I don't think that it cost the Bucs the game, but when you look at the box score, these numbers certainly stand out. Well, obviously you're missing Dante, uh, so you're a man down. Um, He's looking for ball. I mean, I, yeah, well, that's why Teague played. Um, I, I think the, the interesting thing about taking Tucker out is that you know, normally Tucker is obviously part of your backup group that comes in and gives you you know, you start Chris on KD and then you bring PJ in and you've got kind of that second wave against KD. So starting them together kind of complicates things a little bit because, you know, your two kind of best defenders on KD. Um, and I mean, obviously Drew is, is also can, can kind of handle them at times, but I think just, you know, size wise just gives up too much, but you know, they're all, all three of those guys are out there at, to start the game. So, um, so it's a little bit, a little bit challenging in that regard. Staggering just becomes obviously a little more challenging when, when you're starting those guys all together. Um, 
it, it's kind of hard. I mean, I'm trying to look at the box score a little bit just to see kind of how things flowed. I think I think I saw a stat that the Bucks starters played 13 minutes together and were plus three maybe. So obviously that's not a ton of time together. Um, but look, I mean, you know, PJ was minus 13. Giannis was minus seven. Chris minus six. Drew minus 13. You know, it's kind of like the Miami series, like last year, where um, the Bucks got killed with Giannis on the court last year. <laughs> so, like to yeah. me, the first problem is, what are you doing so that you know you get better at the minutes when your best players are out there? And then I think very validly, then you can also say, okay, well, then have those guys play those marginal minutes, extend them longer, have them come back sooner, et cetera, to keep them on the floor um, for longer periods. So, yeah, I mean. Giannis needs to play more than 35 minutes again. He probably would have played a few more, obviously, if the game had been competitive. Um, but I, I, I think it's sort of one of those things. Like I, I don't, I don't, because I don't think I don't know that Bud's gonna. I'm, I'm kind of curious because we really didn't see those close games um, against Miami other than the first game. And I don't think like I think Giannis still got a blow in the fourth quarter of that game. Like I don't think he's like saving them so that you know they can just go the distance and play entire fourth quarters. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just play them a little bit longer throughout the games. And, you know, it wasn't like there was like real foul trouble for any of those guys that, that would have like said, oh, they, they, you know, you, you got to save them. Um, so, yeah, I think play them more. But to me, that's sort of a secondary problem to the fact that, you know, they couldn't shoot well enough to, to yeah. beat the Nets when they were all kind of together. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, looking at the minutes, um, you know, Bryn getting 22 minutes, Connaughton 20, Teague 14. I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree. Like 14 minutes from Teague just, just feels like, you know, can we just not have Jeff Teague play? Split it up. I mean, that's, that's, Split the Jeff that's, Teague minutes up between your best three players. They're up above 40. Everyone's happy. Yeah. I, and, and that's the thing because obviously, you know, Giannis, Chris, uh, Drew, all those guys can bring the ball up, initiate offense as needed. Um, you know, I, I, I am a little wary of, of you know, especially if, if the Nets were to like bring pressure on them, then you don't want to have them expending a lot of energy just trying to bring the ball up the floor. Um, but again, I, I think with, with Teague, he's obviously just a limited guy. And I mean, it was interesting. What were, were they, I think they were, were they down 10 when Teague missed that, that open oh pull up three? In the, what was, it, what or, was that? <laughs> or were they up were they down 12 I, I can't remember but but that, that to me that was kind of like the the kind of death now because then Giannis had just hit a three to bring it within 10 I think and you know you felt like okay do they have a run in them which again they'd shot shots so poorly like every jump shot I just expected to be missed um but um but yeah I mean that that was obviously the the thing and and look I mean if Jeff Teague's open like if you're on the floor you got to shoot the shot like I mean the, I think he could have hit Giannis earlier streaking I think that was probably the the obvious play he should have made running down the right wing but um you know the, the Bucks didn't get to where they are by passing up open threes as well um so I, I think it's more a question of Jeff Teague shouldn't be playing 14 minutes than <laughs> than uh than you know him pa- shoot, trying to shoot shots when he's in the game so Anyway, it is what it is. I mean, I think certainly the Harden injury is really the ultimate, you know, kind of takeaway from this game. But, um, I mean, it's only a seven-game series. You you know, (laughs) if you lose the first two, then you have to win four out of five. Do you trust the Bucks to win four out of five against the the Nets with, with just, even with just two of the three superstars? Like, I don't think you can afford to put yourself in that type of position. So, um you know, I, I think game two obviously is just absolutely crucial. And um, if you don't win that game, obviously, then, you know, you're, you're kind of turning it into 
uh, I don't say mission impossible, but it's, it's going to be a really difficult series for yourself. And um, obviously it just starts with being able to, to, to me, like, again, could they have done things, some things better defensively? Yeah, sure. Right. But you know, I don't think that's what, what lost them this game. And they're, they're going to have a little bit more margin for error with, with Harden if out potentially for, for the rest of the series. So um, I don't know. I mean, every, obviously everybody's going to get mad because everybody got so excited and into how good the Bucks were. And now they have to, you know, get really angry at somebody for being wrong about the Bucks losing, <laughs> losing a game. Um, so I, I get it. But um, I, I think again, the Bucks just game two, pound them inside again, keep doing that. Um, you know, the offensive rebounding, I felt like it, it, it lessened as the game went on. They ended up only with a 27% offensive rebound rate. I felt like that was a big advantage in the first quarter or so. Um, but, uh, you know, I think use your size and then just make some goddamn jump shots, right? I mean, Chris Middleton, 0 for 5 from 3, 6 out of 18 on 2s. And I feel like of the shots he made, like of the 6, probably like 3 of them were like wide open layups or something like that. Like he just did not make the shots that we're used to seeing Chris Middleton make. And, um, you know, drew 7 out of 19, 17 points. I mean, both of those guys being as poor as they were from a scoring standpoint is just killer when you're playing a team like the nets which obviously the whole the whole idea against the nets is that they're not great defensively but i think you know i thought i think they deserve a lot of credit for for battling and not making it easy on the bucks um especially in terms of just giving up really you know easy i don't think the bucks had a ton of easy open looks from three but still you expect the bucks to make a lot more than they they hit tonight Let's talk about betonline.ag now, Frank, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is full swing. It looked like, uh, I know the Bucks went down, but the Oakland Athletics picked up a big win tonight, and that has everyone happy. And you can track all the action at betonline.ag. Get the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. Uh, so before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit uh, just use the promo code locked on for that so that's bet online your online sportsbook experts the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, they did a good job on the perimeter and all the numbers inside. You mentioned the offensive rebounding. The Bucks led that count 15 to 6 and then second chance points 20 to 4. So these are all themes that we saw coming into this series. I think it's themes that we expect they're going to carry out throughout the rest of the games. And again, to me, you know, this is just a, a reminder of how quickly things can swing. And you sweep the heat, everyone's feeling good. The one thing I mentioned a couple of times in the lead up to this series is you know, I think it's fair to say Miami are just a pretty shitty basketball team, you know, in comparison to the top teams in the conference. I think that's fair to say. And we saw that tonight that there's a different level of competition that the Bucks were coming up against. I actually thought that this game, you mentioned the Jeff Teague three, you know, sort of the one of the first nails in the coffin there. I actually thought this game swung significantly to the point where I was like, I don't know if they're going to win this game now. When Giannis had the two free throws, missed both, and then somehow 
the nets off the rebound were able to find Kyrie Irving for an open corner three in transition. Yeah, they couldn't match that up. Rebound. Yeah. And then, the, the, then there was a turnover and then the Shamit dunk. And all of a sudden, instead of Bucks getting two points at the free throw line, they'd given up five and it went from six points to 11 points. And that was probably the moment that I thought that the Bucks were going to lose this game. But just as, as we do wrap this up, I guess the question I want to throw at you then, Frank, I mean, you mentioned... PJ Tucker and I think that was a a large reason why I thought that he would come off the bench just for rotation wise it made a bit more sense to me so I I don't know whether Bud's the type of coach that's going to make the change after one game but I am at least a little bit curious to see whether the fact that Harden is likely going to be out will change this would you start Pat Connaughton what would you do here assuming Harden's out yeah, I mean, if if Harden is out, then I think the the obvious. I mean, I mean, first off, starting I mean, starting PJ to guard uh, to guard KD when you have Middleton, who's yeah, you know yeah. at least able to do that reasonably well. I mean, it's not as like obviously needed anyway. I think the big advantage is like you, you're just super switchable, and you know you don't have a Connaughton like you know if, if Harden's playing, you can just see him like hunting you know Pat Connaughton or whatever. Um, I mean, look, if, if this is, if this is kind of what you, what you thought was the right angle coming into this, um, I didn't see that group, you know, having some kind of fundamental flaw that, that said that couldn't work. So I would stick with it and, you know, see if you can kind of stick it going. Now, I think the obvious argument would be that, you know, you're using, you're starting both of your KD defenders right off the bat, but Mm. look, those guys should play a ton of minutes. (laughs) So anyway, you know. I, I think you know. You, I think the the answer is you just you just figure it out and stagger those guys. We saw Giannis defend KD a little bit tonight as well. Um, there should be very few minutes, maybe no minutes, where both Giannis and Chris are off the floor. I would say let's just say that, right? Like two of those three guys, two of the two of the the Drew Chris Giannis combination should probably be on the court at all times. So um, you know you should always have at least one of those guys on there, and then PJ for at least you know. Tonight he played 28 minutes. Obviously, he would play probably more if it was closer. So, um, so yeah. I mean, part of me is just like, yeah, sure, go ahead, right? I mean, if, if that's that's your grouping, um, it's not like you know, it's not like Pat Connaughton's some great player. Pat's going to play. You know, Pat's going to get minutes no matter what. Yeah. So I I don't know that it matters a ton. I don't think I don't think there was anything in this game that like said, oh, you gotta you you know you gotta you gotta change up that that aspect of things. And um, certainly, if you like PJ the most on KD. Well, starting him is the easiest way to ensure that they get the most minutes head to head against one another. And, um, you know, I think part of the problem was Chris was not able to defend Joe Harris as well as, you know, he was able to defend Duncan Robinson. And I think Mike Prada made the point on Twitter that, you know, Robinson is a lot more like scripted, like with the dribble handoffs with Bam and things like that. Whereas, you know, Harris, I mean, look, some of the, some of the stuff Joe Harris gets is just out of really great ball rotation. You know, it just felt like the Nets did a really nice job of, it's not like, just Chris Middleton being inattentive, but the Bucks get put into rotation and the ball starts fizzing around the perimeter and the Nets make sure to find where Joe Harris is being the best, you know, spot up shooter in the league probably. So, um, so I, you know, again, Joe Harris was really good tonight, 19 points on 11 shots. I mean, certainly outplayed Chris Middleton. Um, so I think you just hope that, that you can stay better attached with the guys initiating plays so that, you know, Joe Harris doesn't hurt you quite as much, but, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think to, to your original point, I think probably you just stick with what you what you had, and um, you know, the less the less of the bench guys, the better, because you're basically saying these are the five guys that you know we trust the most at this point. So, um, so that's my long winded answer. What what say you? 
No, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, you did go on for a few minutes there, Frank, which was, was just why. Well, I always is, do. What which you, is why what we love you, of? by the way. But yeah. um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the point you made right in the middle. I don't think PJ Tucker for Pat Connaughton is changing anything. <laughs> I, think yeah. that's, I think that's the point. So I, I could go either way. I just do wonder if the dynamic of only having two out of the three um, changes anything for Bud. Who knows? But I, I think ultimately we've we've discussed it a lot. I think... Uh, you know, play your stars more and play them together more. I, I think that's the answer. We saw how much Kevin Durant and Kyrie have been played together. Again, I'm not sure whether it really changes this game in particular, but you want to see it moving forward. You want to see those guys at least playing comparable minutes. They should be able to do it. I, I don't see why you wouldn't do that in a series like this. And uh, for goodness sake, do not leave it till game four. Okay, bud, please do not do that. Uh, but today on the Locked On Today podcast, an embarrassing exit for the Lakers. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Frank, not the start we wanted, um, but, uh, you know, we suspected this was going to be a long series. Your prediction of Nets in seven, even if we get there, we've got a hell of a long way to go in this series. We'll all obviously wait and see uh, what happens with the health of James Harden. But uh, let's get through the next couple of days and get ready for game two. Here, here. And hope for slightly better shooting. <laughs> slightly better would be nice. A, game, a similar game two to the series against Miami would be nice. Uh, we will be back uh, tomorrow as we uh, look ahead again and preview game two, which is going to be back in Brooklyn before the series heads back to Milwaukee. So for Frank and myself, thank you for joining us. We'll catch you guys next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.